Philanthropy is all about giving to causes that matter to you the most, and by doing so, making a difference in the lives of others. But is this an activity that is reserved just for the super wealthy? Or is it possible for the average person to become a philanthropist? What cause tugs at your heart that you wish you could provide funding for? Is there a way, right now, to live your dream with purpose? These are the glaring questions this podcast will explore as we meet everyday people who are stepping up to begin living their philanthropic lifestyle. We'll hear about their cause, why it's important to them, as well as their vision for the future. So let's get inspired, motivated, and learn how we can step into the dream of living our best life with purpose. My name is Nancy Landa. Welcome to Cause Talk Radio. My guest on today's show is DJ Coulter. DJ is an artist, a bronze sculptor. Her life-size sculptures have sold for nearly six figures. She holds a Bachelor's of Science degree in business. DJ is an entrepreneur who is well-known for her giving heart. Welcome to the show, DJ. Well, thank you, Nancy. I'm glad to be here. So I've been very excited to speak with you, Um, I guess because you have this artist thing and I have this artist thing in me, so, you know, that's kind of a connection. So tell me, what was life like for you growing up as a young child? Uh, we lived on a, um, it was like a farm. We had two Shetlands that we rode all the time, baby pigs, pigs, <laughs> and we lived close to a river. So we would be a lot at the river with our Shetlands. We'd ride down to the river and, uh, it was, it was a good life. My dad put out a big farm and sold vegetables to the grocery stores. And so it was, it was a good life. So were you the only child? I mean, we weren't real, um, let's say we didn't have a lot of money, but we, I, I, I wouldn't have, you know, I just loved the life that we had. Right. So were you an only child? No, there's uh, five others. I have an older brother and uh, three sisters and a little brother. So you're the second to oldest? Yep. Okay. Who would you say had the biggest influence on you as a kid and why? Oh, I would say my dad because he gave me such a work ethic. I mean, he worked all the time and he worked at livestock and uh, then he would come home and he would work till dark on the garden. And um, he just had a work ethic. I mean, he was one of them that said, you know, he didn't think I could make anything in art. And uh, he said, you need to work hard and, you know, work a job and do all this stuff. <laughs> so, Interesting. So, so back of, then you enjoyed art as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I was getting awards in high school. I got artist of the year in high school as a senior. Wow. That's amazing. So let's, let's go to those high school years. When you were a teenager, what did you mm-hmm. want to do with your life? You wanted to be an artist and your dad kind of said, no, you need to get a real job. Yeah, I, I well, that's what I was striving for because I, you know, that's all I did at home. I would lock myself in the room and do paintings and stuff like that. So it was, you know, when I had spare time, you know, without the chores and stuff that you had to do around the house. Okay, so what did you end up doing when you graduated high school? I ended up getting married. And uh, it wasn't a good marriage. I, it was a lot of beatings and stuff. And so mm-hmm. I put him through college while 
<laughs> so it was, uh, but after I started, you know, after I got away from him, I started, uh, I met another young man, uh, well, another husband, and um, <laughs> I had my son. From your first marriage, right? This was my second one. And I had my son, and uh, okay. then he ended up being a um, an alcoholic, and he was using drugs, and so I had to take my son out of that situation. Yeah, that's Joshua. Yeah. <clears throat> so, DJ, you put yourself through college so you could take care of your son, right? Yes. How yes. old was Joshua when you started college? Uh, he was two, and wow. I was able to use their... They had like a place where you could, they would watch your kids as you went to school. And then I was working, you know, three jobs wow. on top of that. So it was, you know, you got three hours of sleep a day, but um, <laughs> you know, I finished. Right, right. So tell me how you met Gary. Gary, he, I met him in one of my jobs and I cleaned houses and painted houses and wallpapered houses. And, um, I met him through cleaning his house because I used to clean for a lady that had that house before him. And we became like really close friends. Yeah. I mean, it, I, it was like, we knew each other big time and, it, and it was just a friendship that, um, uh, and then he started, he was the professor of the art department at Horte State University. And he started asking me if I wanted to go on, you know, like to Chicago to see the museums and because they were taking a bunch of art students and stuff. And I would go on them. And, uh, and then that's when we did some travel too, like to Beijing and, you know, I've been to 12 countries. Wow. But uh, then it got serious and he, I moved in with him and lived with him for three years. Then we had gotten married. And how did Joshua respond to that? Was that an issue for Joshua? Joshua loved him. He would sit down and help him do homework. He would, I mean, cause I was working then too at a hospital as a medical transcriptionist. And so he would have supper ready for me and Josh, and Josh loved his cooking. I mean, he'd eat like half a meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> he was, loved his cooking. So <clears throat> Joshua enjoyed that relationship with Gary. Yeah. And Gary, what did Gary do for a living? He, he was an artist? Yeah, he was a bronze sculptor, and um, plus he was a professor at the uh, art department in, in, in Hayes. And so he taught for, you know, as long as he could, and he had Crohn's, so he had to finally retire from that. And so we moved out here because we had looked at homes, and he says, I need to take you to this place because I've been out there before. And so we looked at two homes, and we bought it on the spot <laughs> ah. <laughs> and Josh loved it. So he, he was, Josh was going, well, I'm going to take uh, the master bedroom. That's going to be my room. <laughs> 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 it was pretty cute. <laughs> so you and Joshua were married and I guess, I mean, you and Gary were married and Joshua was with his dad. 
and you got a phone call that night, the night of your marriage. Oh, yeah. It happened when we we went to Estes Park to get married. And my son, um, we visited, or we went out to eat and kind of celebrated before we left. We were going to come back on Sunday. It was like, you know, we went to Estes Park and got married by Mary's Lake. It was you know, just him and me, and uh, we were going to let Josh, you know, finish up the school week. And uh, that night at 12.36 in the morning, we'd get a call from the sheriff, and uh, I, I pretty much lost it. What did the sheriff say? He said that, uh, he goes, your, your son's in trouble. And I said, well, what do you mean? He's in trouble. What do you do? I mean, that was how the conversation started. So I didn't know anything wow. what went on. And um, he said, well, I said, what did he do? And he goes, well, your son is deceased. And I handed the phone over to Gary. I went in a fetal position and cried and cried and couldn't talk anymore. Mm. And then that night we packed up and went, you know, drove seven hours back and planned a funeral. And uh, like you're in a surreal world. Yeah. Wow. That's Watching just that go on. devastating. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. devastating. So <clears throat> from what you've told me that you never really celebrated your anniversary, you celebrated Joshua's life each year. Yeah, we correct? never talked about our marriage. Yeah. yeah. So how did you become an artist? Gary had a hand in that, I think. Uh, Gary let me work on his pieces. And showed me the process of, of bronze making. And uh, so I got to work on his pieces. And um, then to get out of, you know, because I was at a point where I didn't want to live anymore. Yeah. And he knew that. And I went back to work about two weeks after that. And uh, just to get my mind on something else. And... When I came home, I knew he was going to do this monument for my son, and he had this grieving angel in clay over it. And he says, I want you to do two, you know, I want you to do some pieces for this. And so that's what got me, you know, got my mind off of a lot of stuff. And it helped me a lot. It was, it was therapy for you. Yeah, it was really great therapy. Yeah. And after that, I, went ahead and he had a, um, his best friend that had died. I, I, um, you know, I told Gary, I said, why don't we give him a grieving angel? Because, and he goes, you really want to do that? And I said, yeah, you know, it was like a $12,000 piece, but I said, let's give it to him. And then I, I ended up giving another one to a lady here that was like a mom to me. And, uh, so it turned out really neat. I mean, I like to give stuff away, and uh, I've always been a giving person anyway. And, you know, the families really like those pieces. And uh, so it was, it was really good therapy for me to do that. Yeah. So then tragedy stuck, struck your life again with Gary. Can you yeah. tell me about that? He couldn't get out of bed one morning. 
And um, this was about a year and a half after I lost Josh, and he couldn't get out of bed. So I was, we were both thinking it was a slip disc or a ruptured disc or something. Yeah. And I get him up to Colorado Springs and um, they, you know, did the MRIs and stuff and uh, it was just full-blown cancer. I mean, he had a whole tumor and one of his vertebrae that obliterated the vertebrae. Which is why he couldn't get out of bed. Yeah. And they put a cage, a titanium cage around that, but he just, you know, it just, um, when they did a scan on him again, it was just all over in his bones and everything. So it was. So this was fairly close after Joshua's death. Yeah, it was two years. Oh my goodness. And it was in the same month. (laughs) Really? November's aren't, November isn't a good month for me. So. <laughs> You're right. I understand that. Um, Thanksgiving must be a really difficult holiday yeah. for you. Well, when I lost Josh and both of them, I quit celebrating holidays and stuff. Huh. So it was, you know, they were just too hard. Now, <clears throat> Josh was, or, or Gary was also a firefighter? He did um, the firefighter monument. Okay. He's got two big pieces there. Um, and I go down. They usually have um, a service for the firefighters that have died the year before and mm-hmm. put their names on the walls there. Right. So I usually go down and uh, some of them buy the smaller firefighters that I bring. And... Um, so it's a really neat place. They, those those guys are like a, a major brotherhood because I I remember when after Gary had passed, they asked me if I wanted to clean that statue because one of the firefighters that cleaned it fell off the ladder of the biggest one <laughs> and broke his leg. Oh, and no. so they asked me to clean it. And I said, yeah, I could do that. So I was going down and cleaning it and, you know, before the big ceremonies that they had. Now, the day before Gary passed away mm-hmm. you made a promise to him can you tell me what that promise is i he I, I promised him i would build a studio and carry on his work and so that's what i've done and then i i want to build a new studio and so that's what your cause is about the gary Culture Foundation. So let's talk about that cause. Mm-hmm. Your desire is to honor your husband and firefighters everywhere through this foundation. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes. So what will the foundation do specifically? It would help the firefighters if they need new fire engines, if their families that have lost their husband or wife that was a firefighter, you know, to help them out, uh, you know, to keep living on. Right. And um, any equipment they need, any, um, you know, if they need new coats or, you know, just anything. Because, I mean, they do every time they go out, you know, they don't know if they're going to come back home. Right. Wow. So what amount of funding is needed to fulfill your cause? Excuse me? 
what amount of funding is are you looking to raise, like, let's say for the first year? I would like to get, you know, like 200000 for the starts. And, um, and then when anyone, you know, loses a fire truck or they have to bring in new fire trucks or hoses or whatever they need, 